Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. Today's episode 210 and we're going to be interviewing James. How you doing, James? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to do this. So, like we were talking about before, let's start with your childhood. Tell me about growing up. Uh, I had, I grew up, I grew up pretty easy. Uh, I had a couple sisters. Um, well, I have, I have, I have lots of brothers and sisters, but they live with my, with me and my mom. I had two sisters, and we were pretty close. Uh, I had a pretty good childhood. It wasn't How many brothers bad. and sisters in total? Uh, I have Crystal, Caitlin, Sierra, Becky, Tanisha. Tammy, I have six sisters and I have one brother. Okay, so yeah, it's a big family. Well, I know you yeah. weren't all together, but still, a lot of but, brothers and sisters. Yeah, and uh, the only part of my the childhood that was kind of bad was everyone in my family did drugs except for my mom. Like my dad, my uncles, everyone was into meth. And at when I was a young kid, that was I, I looked up to my uncles and my my dad. You know. So I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be just like them. And I, I thought, well, if they were doing it, then, you know, I'm having a good childhood already. I might as well make it better by doing what they're doing because they're having fun. I mean, to me, it looked like they were having fun. And uh, that's kind of, kind of how my childhood started was always looking up to them. And, and uh, when I was about seventh grade, when things kind of took a turn for the worse, I tried meth for the first time. And uh, I just snorted it. Who'd you try uh, it with? I actually, I tried it with uh, a friend that lived in in the back shed of my cousin's house. Um, he uh, he knew my dad, and he had just went and got some stuff from my dad. And I figured my dad'd be mad at me if I if I you know let him know that I was doing it. So I uh, I went through him, and he was sixteen, and I was in seventh grade at the time. I was like thirteen, and uh, he. He's the one I did it with the first time. And I, I actually told him no to begin with because uh, he was laying out lines. And he's like, he, he, I was with uh, my cousin and a couple other people. And he's like, you guys want to try this? And I'm like, no, I don't do that stuff. And then they all said no. And me, I don't know if I was trying to be cool or what, but I was like, okay, I'll try some. You know, I'm like, my dad does it. I'll do it. And I did it. And that night, we spent all night long riding around town on bikes looking for more. And uh, at that time, it was probably the most fun I'd had, not knowing later on in life that it was going to be the worst, you know, mistake that I've ever made. But uh, yeah, it's always fun at first. It kind of do what? I said it's uh, always fun at first. Yeah, it is. And then then let's call it what it is. It it feels good. It's fun. But that that just never lasts. But in the beginning, it's it's good stuff. We enjoy it for a reason. Get that dopamine release. Yep. But then it starts going downhill. You yep. start you start going down your grades and 
pretty soon school doesn't matter to me no more. And I, I don't want, I don't want to deal with it. I'm only, by this time I'm only in seventh or eighth or eighth, ninth grade. And I'm wanting to drop out already, you know, cause my whole life is, I just want to do drugs. That was, that was all that my mind could think of. I just wanted to be like my dad. My dad was a dealer and I wanted to, I wanted to move in from just doing it to start selling it like he was. And so I made my, I went and did some yard work, uh, did a bunch of lawns and stuff and got my first amount enough to get a, a small bag of, of like an eight ball. And I started selling and uh, things just kind of went south from there, man. Like I started doing it every single day. Uh, I started, my attitude went, went to hell. Uh, me and my mom's relationship got way out of proportion. I mean, I was, I was mean to my mom. I said some things to her that uh, you never, no one should ever say to their mom. You know, I, I just, I went on a bad path and, uh, and I kept on doing it and doing it and not giving a damn what anyone said, because I thought that I knew what was best for me. And, and then it got, I never, you know, I never, I never got caught up with the police. I never got busted or anything like that. But I, I did get a lot of kids mixed up in it. And I probably would have been better off if I would have been busted. Because I, I ruined a lot of lives, I, I feel like, by getting other kids, you know, started on it. And that, that's probably like one of the things that bothers me the most, is how many people that I got, I got doing it, started doing it. Because I thought it was, you know, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And uh, and I had money all the time, you know, and I, I had drugs all the time. And I had friends. Well, I thought they were my friends, you know. I had friends that were there because I had money and drugs all the time. Mm-hmm. So I used um, to sell weed. I used to sell weed by the pound. Bunch nice. of, I would get pounds and then I'd sell ounces to people who yeah. sold. And it makes you feel like you actually, it makes you feel like you have friends. And, and Yeah, and once I got caught and I stopped selling weed, those they're friends all dried up real fast. Yeah, they're all gone. Your phone doesn't ring as much. Yeah. And anytime you need a favor or anything like that, no one's around. You know, yep. you, you find out real quick who your real friends are. I still have uh, a few good friends that were still around after that. They, they, they're straight now, too. They're sober now. And they actually got sober before I did. But they still stuck around me, and they they still had my back no matter what. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, I started getting I started doing it all the time, and I started getting kind of uh, how would you put it? Uh, I started feeling sick a lot, and come to find out, after the years of doing it, when I was about sixteen, I uh, found out I was having heart problems from all the meth I was doing. And uh, so I don't know. I don't know why I didn't stop. I just, I couldn't. I was addicted to it. I was, I was I was you know I tried to. I I wanted to, but at the same time I didn't want to, and I just kept on doing it. And uh, fast forward until about most of my childhood. I don't remember like most of my my older childhood because I was so high. I don't remember a lot of it up until I was about 21 or 22 and I was hospitalized a couple of times for my heart. And uh, they kept on telling me, they're like, you need to get off this, this stuff. They're like, it's killing you. They're like, you're not going to make it past 25. 
Well, when I was there, I guess it was about three years ago. Um, in 2019, right before all the COVID hit, I ended up uh, getting really, really depressed because the drugs just brought me down to a point where I was like below anything that I'd ever felt before. And so I decided I was going to kill myself. So I ended up doing uh, intravenously taking an eight ball all at once and uh, tried blowing up my heart and I almost succeeded. And uh, my sister found me. Uh, she found me and she's like, she knows I'm scared of hospitals. And she's like, well, what if we take you to the hospital and I go with you? And I'm like, no. So she went and called my mom who lived like down the block from me. And she called, told my other sister. My other sister came down to my house to see how I was. And I was turning blue and purple. And she's like, you need to go to the hospital. I'm calling an ambulance. And I was like, no ambulances. So I got up and I was getting dressed and I made it to the front room and I collapsed. And when I collapsed, I laid down and I looked up at my sister and she was crying. And I was like, I was like, well, you can call an ambulance now. And uh, they took me to the hospital. I live in Lebanon, Oregon. And uh, they took me to Lebanon Hospital, which is a very bad hospital to go to. Like the hospital is just, it's no, it's no good. They didn't know what was wrong with me. They knew that I'd done a lot of meth, but they didn't know exactly what was wrong with me. So they shipped me to Corvallis. And Corvallis was basically telling my wife, because me and my wife are split up, but we're still married. And she's she's actually my best friend now. She's she's one that helped save me. But she uh they told her they're like, just let him go because he's not gonna make it. And she's like, No, you need to do what you need to do to keep him alive. She's like, I got kids with him, so I need you guys to do what you need to do. So they life flighted me to Portland, which I, I almost didn't make the life flight. I died twice on the way up there. They brought me back. And uh I went to Portland and um I was delusional. Um they had me tied down to the bed because I was throwing punches at the doctors. Uh, I mean, I was—I had just done—I done so much meth that it was—it literally was killing me. And, uh, and I, how old? How old were you when all this was going on? This is this is this is about three years ago. All right. Real quick, jumping back to when you were in school and stuff. I just want to finish that up. Did you graduate? No, I didn't. No, I went and got my GED uh, later on. I went and got my GED. What what I, um, grade did you stop going? The ninth. Ninth grade is when you decided to quit. Yeah, that's when I finally just dropped out and, and decided that. What did your parents say? Uh, well, my dad my dad was in prison at the time, and he didn't really really have a say because he wasn't really in my life too much more after that. And uh, my mom, she was disappointed in me, but she was like, "As long as you're going to do something, she was not just you know." Just drop out and not do nothing. So I went and got my GED. And and I had liked her so many times. She didn't really she didn't really know what to say because you know, I liked her, told her that I was getting clean many a times, which I never did. You know, and it was just kind of a way to keep her keep her so she wasn't so worried about me all the time. You know, keep her kind of off my back a little bit. Um because I love my mom. I mean my mom's you know, she did everything for me growing up. And uh and she like I said, she was the only one that never did meth. She didn't she didn't do any drugs. She didn't even smoke cigarettes. And uh so I I just did my best to try to keep my mom in, in good good in a good mood about the whole thing, you know. 
And I lied to her a bunch until I was getting clean. And I never did. And I would, I, I did try to a few times. But it was just so hard. Every time that I would think that I was going to get clean, I would think I would do it. Then it would, it would, uh, it would get bad again. And like, at one point, I got a really bad infection in my leg because I was, I was slamming dope in my leg. And I got a really bad infection. My leg swelled up. I got blood poisoning. And uh, I almost lost my leg. And I almost died that time, too. Um, and that was, like, when I was 17, I think. 17 or 18. But I, cause I, went, I went from snorting it to, to using needles, like, just overnight, basically. Because that's how my dad used to do it, was use needles. I just picked up a habit from him. But did you but it, was, it was my own it was my own it was my own it wasn't it, I didn't like I'm not putting the blame on him because it, I know it was my own my own choice you know and uh I don't know it's, it's hard for me to explain how how I feel about the whole thing like I'm not putting the blame on my dad because I know that everything that I did in my life is my choice well, to a certain degree, it is your choice, but you are influenced heavily, yeah. really yeah. heavily by your parents. They're the ones you look up to for everything. Yeah. So you see them doing something and it's okay. Well, why can't I do it? It's okay. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, and I, and that's how I took everything. And, and, and at the time, even now, I mean, I still love my dad. Um, he's out of prison. He's clean now too, but he's, he's out of prison now. And, and, I still look up to him, but and, and, and I'm I'm 41 years old now, and I still look up to my dad. But uh, yeah, at the time he was slamming dope, and it got me into. I I, I decided I was going to try it that way, and from that point on, everything was kind of like a blur. Like I, I I forgot most of what happened in between those years. I just know that I, I did lots and lots and lots of meth, like in through intravenously. And uh, I blew out a lot of my veins. Um, I ruined my, I mean, I ruined my, my younger years. But in a way, in a way, I'm kind of glad that I did it when I was younger instead of when I was older, maybe. If, you, if that makes any sense at all. I'm glad that it, that it got over with, that I, I experimented, experimented with it when I was younger rather than being like as old as I am now and, and just now starting to do it or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can understand that. So, but yeah, I, uh, I, uh, ended up getting life fighter to Portland. This is back, back up to where just three years ago, almost died. I was in a coma and I, I was on life support for a month and a half. Uh, I was in a, a coma and I just barely, barely pulled through it. And when I woke up, all I could think about was I tried killing myself. And I have kids that look up to me, you know, like the way that I looked up to my dad. And so I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. Take your time. I have five kids of my own that I don't ever want them to go through what I had to go through. I don't want them to see me, you know, all cracked out. And I don't want them to see any, to go through that stuff. So I made it a point 
when I got out of the hospital to never touch any of the stuff again. And my wife, who we're split up, we're split up now. We've been split up for a while, but she's still, we're still married. When I got out of the hospital, she made me come straight here to her house and she took care of me. Uh, Cause I couldn't, well, I had to relearn how to walk again. I had to relearn how to talk again. Um, and uh, she didn't want me getting back into the drugs. So she made me come to her house and I've, I've basically been living here ever since uh, with my kids. I get, I, get the, I get the pleasure of being around my kids every day. In fact, I homeschool my oldest son. And uh, I take my other two kids to school every day, pick them up every day. Um, and I get to, I get to live life drug-free without, without worrying about, you know, them getting into it. I'm trying to straight, I'm trying to, you know, push them the right way. You know, let them know that drugs aren't cool. And, uh, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it, man. I, I've How been long were you in a coma for? Uh, over a month. Uh, I'm not sure the exact amount of time I was in there. I was in there for over a month, though. My wife stayed every night in the waiting room of the ICU. She slept in the ICU waiting room every night that I was, uh. Do you remember anything from it? I don't. I remember certain, I remember certain parts, like, I remember when I first got up there, um, I remember hitting a male nurse, punching a male nurse after they untied me. Um, they untied me to, uh, to change my sheets because they, they were, they had done so much meth that they were, they were trying to bring me off of it. So they were giving me suppositories and, and, uh, all sorts of different drugs to bring me off of it. And they were changing my sheets and they untied me. And I, I hit a male nurse because I was delusional. Like I thought that I was out in the middle of the woods and like being held captive by a bunch of drug dealers and uh i was trying to fight my way out and uh i ended up punching a male nurse i broke one of the uh the hospital beds um i remember that i remember at one point i was so delusional that i thought that i was i thought that i was out in the middle of the ocean uh on a boat but still i was still tied down to the hospital bed with a bunch of my friends and then a bunch of the drug dealers had me, they had me uh, kidnapped and they kept on asking me about money and wanted money. And I was like, I don't got no money. I don't got no money. Uh, and then the next thing I remember is waking up and I couldn't talk. I tried to call my mom and I, I couldn't talk. Um, I remember I couldn't walk. Uh, it was pretty bad. That's, that's all I really remember of being in the coma besides what people tell me. Um, I remember my wife telling me that they kept on telling her that she should just pull me off life support and let me go because they didn't think that I was going to come out of it. But I did, and thankful to her for keeping me on it. You know, she saved my life. And now my kids have a dad, which is like the biggest honor for me to be able to be in my kids' life. That's just, that's a, it's a big, big, big thing for me. And I don't know why, except for the drugs, I really don't know why I was so depressed that I thought that taking my life would be the best thing for them. But I know the feeling. I have bipolar, so I have, you know, depression a lot, and I know the, I know what it feels like to have those thoughts. Yeah, it sucks, man. Yeah. So, um, what did you actually do to recover? Well, I had this, I had an impact team, um, impact team. I can't remember exactly what it stands for, 
But the impact team is like the team that comes in when I woke up, when I finally woke up at the hospital and they wouldn't let me go home until, until they did all these tests on me and made sure that I was, that I was to the point where I didn't need, I didn't need rehab or anything like that. Cause I was, I mean, I, I couldn't walk or talk anyway. So, uh, basically that's, that's all it took was, was that big scare for me to be in the coma for that long and for me to almost die. And I just, I, I, that was it. I, I never picked up again. I haven't touched since it's been October 8th was three years. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It's a long time. Yeah. It seems like it. In fact, today is like, today is 1,162 days. 1,162 days. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I just broke a thousand, I think, about a week ago. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. But yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. It's not really a long story. It's, it's a pretty short story, but it's it's all I, I you know, it's how it happened. Well, yeah, how I, long? I well, going back because we skipped ahead. How long were you actually using for? Was this like a twenty-year thing, oh, a five-year thing? Like, oh, this is like twenty-some odd years. Let's see, from seventh grade, I'm forty-one now. Seventh grade, I was thirteen. So. 20, 30, 20 or 30 years I've been using. But I've only, I've been slamming for about 20 some odd years. You've been so for 20 some odd years? Slamming, like is, uh, intravenous, inter, oh, intravenous. okay. Uh, before that, I, 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 snorted, I snorted it. I went, I went straight from snorting it to slamming it. And that's never, after that, after you get that first time you ever, you know, intravenously do it. It's it's hard to go back. And uh, so, so about 20, 20, let's see, 23, so about 28 years I was slamming. It's a long or time, my friend. Yeah. Almost, almost all my veins are gone. I got scars up and down my arms. I'm all tattooed up, so most of them are covered up, but, but I got, I got, uh, I got scars up and down my arms and my legs from blown veins out and and all that that bad stuff. But you know, so I when you blow out it. a vein, what is what happens when you try and shoot up and enough you can't get it in? Yeah, you, it just you won't pull blood back in, so you got you got to find a different vein. And that's why I started using my legs was because I blew the veins up in my arms, and so I started using my legs. And my ankles and my feet and anywhere anywhere I could possibly get a vein at. I mean, it didn't matter to me. You know, I, I've I've in places that people don't even like talking about. You know, I've 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 used I've intravenously used, and uh, it was just bad. It was a bad bad scene. And for such a long time, did you ever overdose? Besides the time that you did it on purpose? No. No, just the just the time I just the time I I, I would do on purpose, and uh, and the thing about that was like I had one of my I had my youngest son with me. He wasn't with me. He wasn't awake. It was like three in the morning, and he was sleeping on the couch. And I thought that'd be the best time to do it when he was sleeping. So I went in the bathroom and I I did that ball, and uh, I came out and he was sleeping on the couch and I kissed him on the forehead and I told him, I was like, this isn't your fault. Um, I'm like, you know, I love you and I love your brothers. 
And I'm like, I'll always love you guys. You know, like, please don't hate me. And then I was laid down and waited to die. And my sister found me. And uh, then her and my wife pretty much saved my life by getting me to the hospital and stuff. It's amazing what support can do for us. Yeah. Just knowing and someone have, cares. And I have an awesome support group now. I mean, you on my wife. Again? I have an awesome support group now, too. Even still, like, my, my wife, you know, she, she does so much for me. And, uh, you know, every day she's like, she's always coming out proud. She has on me for getting clean and staying clean. And she's, a, she's like my best friend in the whole world. You know, it's weird to say that because, you know, we, we split up and we split up on bad terms. But after this happened, it brought us closer together. And even though we're still not together, you know, we're still we're still separated. But we live with each other. Uh, she's still, I would do anything for her. She's my best friend in the whole world. That's great. Yeah. So. So how do you stay sober nowadays like is there anything specific that you do do you have a routine or anything like that well i drink i just get up in the morning i get up like at 4 30 in the morning every morning i go to bed at 7 30 at night i get up at 4 30 in the morning i get up i drink some coffee and i uh i will take my dog and i walk around the block a couple of times and then i come back and get the kids up get them ready for school and uh then pretty much I'm busy all day long after through that that keeps me busy. Like I got to take my my two oldest boys to school, my two youngest boys to school, drop them off, and I come back here and automatically as soon as I get back here, I start homeschooling with my oldest son. I homeschool him through the day, and then at the end of the day I go and pick up my my two youngest boys from school, bring them back, and then I'm I cook dinner for him and and uh, all that, and I play with them and help them with the homework. So. My day's pretty busy, so I don't really got time to think about doing it. And uh, even now, like, when I first got out of the hospital, like, if I was on TV, like, if I was watching a show on TV or something, and I showed, like, drugs and showed, you know, even even just, like, if it was, like, a medical show and it showed someone like, someone getting a, a shot, that would that would trigger me bad, and it would, it, would, it would be really bad to the point where I was almost in tears. But it's gotten a lot easier now that I've been clean and thin clean. It's gotten a lot easier, and it doesn't really bother me no more. Nothing really, nothing really triggers me too much. You know, I, I got my kids, and that's all that I really, I really need. And I, I stay busy with them. They keep me on my feet because they're they're seven, eight, and nine. You know, and then I, of course I got a twenty year old daughter, and I got a sixteen year old daughter, but they live with their mom. But uh, my my three youngest ones, they they keep me on my feet. They're they keep me pretty busy, so I don't really have time to think about about anything like that. Um, the only the only time I really got triggered was last year or two, yeah, 2021. My very best friend of all time, uh, the one I grew up with, uh, Derek Derek Allen Clark. He uh he was still using, um, and uh, I got a call, and he uh had done some heroin that was based on fentanyl, and he OD'd and died, and that that. That really, that really killed me because he's been my best friend since first grade, and then that kind of triggered me. But I, I managed to stay off, didn't do nothing. Just kind of stood and stuck to myself in my bedroom for a while, and then a month after that, almost exactly a month after that, my other best friend, 
uh, Daniel ended up hanging himself. And all together, I, I was I quit smoking along with uh, along with with doing drugs. I quit smoking cigarettes too. But that's what I did. That's what I did to to bounce back from that. I started smoking cigarettes again. So uh, it was it was pretty traumatic for me to lose both my best friends within a month of each other. Uh, but that was the closest I've came to to wanting to to use since I've been out of the hospital. But uh, I kept myself strong, and I had a good support system from my wife and my mom and my kids, and uh, I managed to stay stay clean. And like I said, all I did was start smoking again, which I'm I'm working on trying to quit smoking again now. I think I'm going to uh, try getting hypnotized again because that's what happened, helped the first time was I got hypnotized and uh, I quit smoking just like that. Man, it was it was easy. But uh, but other than that, I really I don't really don't got triggers no more. I I just I stick to myself. I don't hang out with none of the people I used to. Um, I got a couple friends that I hang out with, but they're they're clean. They've been clean longer than I have. Like I said, and. Uh, and that's about it. I don't go out and party. I don't. I don't go out and drink. I don't. I just sit at home with my kids and and play games with them and stuff like that. So, and my kids are my my main support. They keep me from craving and all that good stuff. I'm glad to hear you're doing so well. Thank you. But I think that's important. I think one of the big takeaways from what you're talking about is keep yourself busy. Yeah. An idle mind is the devil's playground. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I keep my my kids definitely keep me busy. <laughs> I mean, they're little boys, so they <laughs> they keep me busy for sure. Yeah. So you got quite the story. I'm really happy that you know you got your family back. I'm happy that you're sober. It's all they're they're huge accomplishments. Thank you. I I'm pretty proud of myself. Compared to, I mean, if you would have seen me, if you would have seen me four years ago, five years ago, you would, you would see how much of, of a change it's been. Well, that's awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. How do you feel? I feel great. I cheered up there a few times. I, I get emotional over talking about it. You're, uh, I think you're covering your microphone with your hand, possibly. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was saying sorry. I cheered up there a few times. But, uh, no, it's, a, it's understandable. It's an emotional story. Yeah, you gotta get emotional over it. But I feel good. I feel I feel great. I mean, and I'm glad that I was able to come on here. And it was a short story, but I was glad that I was able to come on here and tell my story. I uh, thank you for letting me come on and do that. Well, I should thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Alrighty. All right, my friend, sit tight for me for one set. And okay. for everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard. Go below and give us a like. Also, subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out on all social media, Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok, you name it, we're on it. I also suggest checking out our website, www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you can find plenty of free resources and free literature. So I hope you enjoyed today. That's all we have. Until next time.